Baylor, Texas Tech, in Lubbock. It's the perfect time to have the pigskin preacher on because the Bears need as much prayer as they can get. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Baylor. I am Drake Toll from Sports Illustrated's Waco Tours. That is Scotty Swingler, the pigskin preacher. Uh, thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. A thousand subscribers this week is awesome. It's been a long week for everybody in America. Um, and by everybody, I mean at least me. I hope I speak for all of us in saying it's a long week. Would you feel like last week was just a long week itself? I feel like you just never really come down from that, you know? Drake, what you're experiencing here is the homecoming hangover, man. It thing. just happens. It just happens. It's been a long week for me as well. It does. Uh, you know, when I do the thing, when I button the collar with the black shirt, oh, look, I'm a priest. Ah, you're the big preacher. I get to be a big priest this week. Um, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. That's very not PC of me, by the way. Please don't be upset. If you're listening on a podcast, it doesn't make any sense. If you're on YouTube, you get it. Uh, you ever see, did you see the Father Mike video? The Father Mike? I think it was called Father Mike. With... Um, Oh, who's the Family Guy guy? Um, uh, oh, uh, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, MacFarlane was the was no, but the, I I haven't seen what you're talking about. Yeah, dude, total bust, man, total bust. He's like an alcoholic that becomes a priest, and it should be really good, but it's just not. So you know, all of his his movies have been bust. Yeah. Uh, well, was he Ted? Was he the Ted guy? Ted, Ted, the first Ted went okay, but the sequel was a huge, awful, huge yeah. failure. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of things that should have gone well and have not gone very well, Baylor football season. Hey, segue. Um, Scotty, tell me there's something scripturally that makes this game not like I just don't I just don't feel good remotely about this game. It feels 50-50 sure. or like on paper it's 50-50, but it doesn't feel that way. Right. Well, let's just say this. After a sequence of errors, losses, and mishaps, the Bears got back on track this past week with a homecoming win against the Jayhawks. And this week, they have a tall task before them as they head to the high plains of Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. There is so, there's just so many interesting things, Drake, about this battle. For one thing, you mentioned the analytics would tell you this is a 50-50 matchup. The all-time series between Tech and Baylor is almost perfectly even. And for another thing, the Raiders are led into battle by a great and mighty Baylor football prince, Joey McGuire, of whom I will speak no ill and all praise. There's a lot of familiarity between these teams. High stakes intrigue, a lot of fireworks going down at the Jones tomorrow night. And you know, I thought that we should consider one of our stories from the Bible. In particular, like thanks man. In particular, an instance when a great and mighty prince of Israel went into the desert plains after his own series of errors to confront the raiders who threatened his very future. I smell I'm David. Talking, of course, King David, but this story occurs before he was king. Now, if I can name drop another podcast really quickly, Drake, I'm going to need everybody to please bear with me. Because the backstory here is quite a doozy. Now, recall, if you will, that at one point, Saul was the king of Israel. Yes. Saul turned out to be unfaithful to God and a lousy king. So the prophet Samuel anointed David as the next king of Israel while Saul was still king 
of Israel. Now, this, of course, became problematic. And after a teenage David infamously defeated the nine-foot-tall warrior named Goliath in single combat, suddenly there was a political turf war between King Saul and King-to-be David. And that encompasses most of the book of First Samuel. There's political intrigue, family betrayal, and violent drama that rivals Game of Thrones. Ultimately, David ends up with a little band of followers with whom he trounces around the region, while Saul ends up desperately hunting David in an attempt to preserve his family's claim to the throne. Now, Drake, let me remind you that Israel's greatest enemy during the time of King Saul were the Philistines. It was the Philistines whom David defeated when Goliath was killed. The Philistines were constantly going to war with King Saul and Israel. And David, as King Saul is attempting to hunt him down, has this, he has this sneaky idea. He decides to go live and train his army in the one place Saul would never think to look the land of the Philistines. He uses his charm and his dashing good looks to persuade the king to gift him some land along the Judean border. And for over a year, he lives and governs this small city-state called Ziklag. So let me tell you, and, and I'm almost to the scriptures, but let me tell you really quickly what David does because it's so interesting. He's sneaky. He gets this Philistine territory called Ziklag, and what he does is he starts raiding neighboring countries that also oppose Judah. And then he goes back to the Philistines and he says, I'm raiding Judah because they hate the people of Israel. But then when he goes and does these raids, he leaves no survivors so no one can rat him out. David's a savage, okay? And he's lying and he's appeasing the Philistines and he's living this double life. And then something interesting happens. The Philistines march to go confront, and ultimately, this is when they go kill King Saul. Hmm. And so, I want to, I want to, I want to do uh, every Baptist kid's favorite thing here. If you're listening audio only, you need to get to YouTube and look because I want to show you a biblical map. Great, can you put this biblical map on the screen? Because this, this is what happens. It's so interesting to me. Okay. So David, you see there on the map, Ziklag is where David's hanging out. Uh -huh. And he starts marching with the Philistine army. And he marches all the way up there to Aphek at the very top of that little trail that you see on the map, okay? Yep. Saul is like twice as far north as that in the Valley of Jezreel, okay? So David gets about halfway. David is going to pose as a part of the Philistine army. March up there and kill Saul. And then when they get to that uh, Aphek up there at the top of the map, the Philistines go, wait a minute. Isn't there a song that says Saul kills thousands and David kills ten thousands? We don't want him to kill us. They think David's going to betray them. So they actually send David back all the way down there to Ziklag. Okay. So are you with me? Uh, does that uh, make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, know I, got you. I know this is a big backstory. Okay, so so David and the Philistines march up there, and then they say, no, David, you're going to betray us. Go back to Ziklag. So David goes all the way back, and that's important because something dramatic happens when he gets back. So put the map up for a second. Now we're going to get into Scripture because where our story picks up 
is in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to condense this quite a bit because this is a big story too. I'm going to skip around a bit. But it's 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1. Here's what happens when David and his men, they marched all this way with the Philistines. The Philistines are like, nah, fam, you're sneaky. They send them back. And here's what happens. Verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. And the Amal... Uh, I'm not even going to say this right. The Amalekites had raided Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and burned it, and they took captive the women and everyone else, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. David was greatly distressed because his men were talking about stoning him. Each was bitter in spirit because their sons and daughters had been kidnapped. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So I'm going to take a quick side note. David's men who followed him into living in this Philistine territory. They've marched all this way. They've done all these things. They want to stone him to death because he screwed this up so bad. Because he left on a war path with the Philistines to go kill Saul. The Philistines finally said, we don't trust you. Go back home. And when they got home, their wives and their kids were gone. They had been taken by Amalekite raiders. So paraphrasing. The next few verses, David asked God, what do I do? God says, go get them. So mm. David and his men, if you'll throw the map back up real yeah. quickly, David and his men head south on that little dotted path there to, um, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, Drake. That's I'm a bad pastor, but Amalek, Amalek, that's, they, they head yeah, south. Amalek. There you go. I'll, see, there you go, Drake. This is why you're at Baylor, man. That's a major. Uh, Christian, Christian scriptures, man. Um, David and his men head south, and here's what it says, as you can see on the warpath there. There they were, the raiders, scattered all over the countryside. This is verse 16. Eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until evening the next day, and none of them got away except 400 men who rode off on camels and fled. Now think about this. None of them got away except 400. How many folks did David go in there and mess up if 400 men is none of them? That's a big number of people. And it says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. Drake, why did I just go through basically the entire book of first Samuel just to get to David conquering some raiders in the desert? Well, it can only be that Baylor is David, right? Well, here it is. First, Baylor, like David, has taken some L's this season mm. due to their own errors. David made errors by settling in enemy territory. He made an error by joining with the Philistine army to pursue Saul, and he nearly lost his family because of it. He took some L's. Second, Baylor, like David, has lost one of its beloved family members, Coach McGuire, mm. to the Raiders 
of the Texas desert. We won't, we won't get him back after the battle tomorrow, but we can sure as heck go into their house and come out with a victory, proclaiming this is David Aranda's plunder. Oh. And third, this was David's final battle as a sojourning king to be. The next time David appears in the biblical pages, he mourns Saul's death and is crowned king of Israel. Drake, if Baylor hopes to be crowned kings of the Big 12 in the wake of Oklahoma's exit, we have to be able to march into Lubbock as the scrappy, sneaky, witty kings to be and claim victory. We cannot let the Raiders take what they want, even in a land that is not our own. We must be victorious to claim what is rightfully ours and unafraid to declare ourselves kings of the Big 12 Conference. Can Baylor take a cue from David tomorrow and slay the pesky Raiders? Well, with the right refuse-to-lose attitude, I believe we can. And as a guy on my ministry team says all the time, hey, man, that's king behavior. Mm. Sick'em bears. Wow. Uh, dude, I feel I feel more knowledgeable generally now after this. Like, Good. I, this, this was— That was a was, lot. Well, well, I learned, I learned a lot. I found myself paying very heavy attention as someone who also reads the Bible and be bogged down. Could you read the Bible for me for the rest of forever? I, that would, <laughs> that would get really old for you really quickly. Yeah. One I of the more interesting you. parts there was like, uh, like let's read some scripture and then, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase the next little bit. If you could do that, like <laughs> while I'm reading scripture, that would make things so much easier. Um, Scotty is, is Baylor, is Baylor really going to win this game? That I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I can I can I can preach the message and hype you up, man. But I I said on please bear with me before the season. This was even before I knew how good tech, tech was going to be, and I thought we were like rolling towards a, a ten and two record. I said Lubbock. This year is the trap game. Yeah. Like that's that was my scariest road game preseason and now tech is better than people thought and Baylor's worse than people thought where does that leave us man yeah it's not even a trap game at this point it's just like a game right. game right it's just not, a good game not a good thing doesn't bode well for Baylor um Scotty I will absolutely before we dive fully into this game tell everybody at home about upside and Underdog Fantasy. So this episode is brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play this college football season. Now, uh, Underdog Fantasy is A1 because what you can do is go in and do um, college football pickums. So basically, all of our all of our locked on hosts, like the host around the Big Twelve uh, and really around college, all together doing like locked on pickums, um, and you can do uh, compete and see which host is the most knowledgeable about college football. Which majority of these are just like complete guesses. Um, but then, like, look, you can also do pickums when it comes to player props. So like. Syracuse uh, last week, you could do like Sean Tucker under 93 and a half rushing yards. So you could do like uh, Aronde Gadsden higher than 66 and a half receiving yards. So all of that 
underdogs, super interesting and intriguing in the endless possibilities they give you. Easy to play, available in 30-plus states. Pick two and five players. Between two and five players across any team and play the true fantasy way or do the college football. Pick them. Sign up with promo code Locked On. One word, Locked On. Underdog will double your first $100 deposit. That's $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick them action today. Scotty, Texas Tech is good. Um, Baylor is good, but I, I said this last week, and I'm standing by it. Baylor's good, but they're also good at losing. Like they've they've shown this season that when they push comes to shove, you need to make that play to win the game. Baylor just hasn't been able to do it. Um, I I I just like if Baylor's going to win this game in the teeth of the Tech fan base, what does Baylor have to do? Because it feels like the the list of things they have to do is kind of long. Dude, I'll try to make it three points because that's that's the cliche, right? But I'll, I'll just say, like, like, is it – it's such a weird place as a Baylor fan because I feel like every game Baylor's lost, Baylor has beaten itself, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And so, and so you can be optimistic and say, well, on one hand, Baylor could very, very, very easily be undefeated at this point. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but we have three losses and, it, and, 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 and got way closer last week to losing than we should have entirely based on our own errors right so so key number one you have to win the turnover battle on the road right and i've been i've been shocked at uh blake shape and turning the ball over out of nowhere when a strength of his previously we would have said is protecting the football and i think of particular concern are the fumbles right um because they were both pretty similar it's just not holding on to the ball as you're rolling. I, I like what Dave Aranda said about that. It's like he, he can't decide if he wants to be a runner or a thrower, and you have to make a decision as a quarterback to protect the ball and run or get rid of it. Um, so you got to win the turnover battle. Um, I know there's a lot of concern about Tech's ability to throw the ball and our secondary's kind of lack of ability to stop the pass. So I would say getting pressure on quarterback is going to be essential. And and Baylor's defensive line is kind of underperformed in that regard. Um, And then third, on the road in that environment, Drake, you got to pound the ball. Um, Baylor's going to have to dominate the line of scrimmage on offense and let Richard Reese and Quaylen Jones get going Um, and, and, and dominate time of possession, I would think would be the game plan going in. Because if you're going to try to get into a battle of like score quickly, throw the ball, Baylor has shown – to be pretty inconsistent in that regard. Tech is pretty good at that. Baylor's secondary is not very good. And what what is Baylor good at? Give Richard Reese the ball. Like <laughs> let let him get four or five yards a pop and and chew up some clock. Like that's how you take a crowd out of it. Right. So there's your three points, right? Win the turnover battle, get some pressure on quarterback, and control time of possession. Run the football. Yeah, I mean, Baron Morton has shown he's a pretty solid quarterback so far in his yeah. last few games for Texas Tech. And so stopping that, you need your defensive line, wherever those guys have been, to to be as as good as advertised. Siaki Ika, I felt like, took a next step on Saturday, looked a lot better against Kansas, as did the offensive line. There were so many times where Bean was just running around away from Siaki Ika because Ika was giving chase. Now, he's not as fast as most of the quarterbacks you'll see, but that at least puts the opposing quarterback in a tough spot. Baylor has to do that. They haven't been doing that. The offensive line has not been offensive lining until this last week against Kansas. If Baylor plays the way they played in the first half against the Jayhawks for a complete four quarters, 
they are the best team in the Big 12. They were that yeah. good, I felt like, on Saturday. They only allowed three points. It was 28-3. Um, and then after that, kind of the wheels fell off there for a little bit. So if you have the 28-3 mentality at Texas Tech this week and you're out there pummeling Tech early, that's what it's going to take. Get the crowd out of it. you got a legitimate shot to win this game. But anything outside of that, if Baylor is in a tie game or trailing at halftime, I don't think they win this game. They just have not had the clutch gene to figure out a way to win the game. If they're down at halftime or tied at halftime, this is Texas Tech's game to win. The crowd's going to elevate to a next level, and Baylor's not ready for that. But I don't know. Scotty, when did you stop playing football? Did you ever play football? <laughs> I did play football, and and I stopped. Uh, and I regret it, by the way, but I stopped after my freshman year of high school. I, I was, did, too. I was also a cross-country cross runner, so that, right. that took my attention in the fall. Two things that go together so well. Peanut butter and jelly, cross-country and football. Do you ever – so were there any big junior high games, middle school games? You're like, wow, the crowd's really getting into this. Dog, I played quarterback in junior high, so Ooh. it was it was real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog? Um, I like that, by the way. The, Sorry. I got, <laughs> I, got dog, I got that dog in me. Um, How do you even – like, what do you do for a crowd? I keep I, I keep having this thought of, like, how do you, you get somebody anything. ready? Right. How do you get somebody ready for a big crowd? And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. know. I, well, unfortunately, Baylor's, uh, Baylor's being on the road at BYU and in Ames and in Morgantown, um, I know two of those games did not go well. Uh, but but this is not the, this is the third or fourth time you're going to have a really, really raucous crowd. And, and I know that Lubbock's a unique place. It's also it's also not more intimidating to me than Ames or even Morgantown with the lack of people they had in the building. The Ugh. volume that they were generating that you could hear over TV was wild. So yeah. I, I think that should not be a problem. I want to push back on your offensive line narrative a hair. Okay. Um, I thought they looked great against Iowa State hmm. and who's got a good defense. And I actually thought against Oklahoma State, they looked great. And I was frustrated that we didn't run the ball more in that game against Oklahoma state. I thought that was the game we tried to throw too much coming out of the gate. Drake, the way you take the crowd out of this game, it is, you go up early, but it's also, you get to a lot of those third and twos, fourth and ones that you just run up the gut and get the first down, convert the first down, convert the first down. That yeah. crowd is, that gets exhausting as a fan to get excited for third down. And then, ah, oh, thank gosh, they gave it to Richard Reese again. Like, what are you going to do? Right. I, I think yeah. that's how, that's how you control it here. I like that. 16 play drive takes six minutes off the board. When Baylor's won games and they won at Iowa State, that's how they did it. Six and a half minute exactly. long drives. Exactly. Uh, and Baylor pretty much dominated. I remember back to that Iowa State game. Baylor dominated majority of that game. Um, and you felt really comfortable. It's like, what was it, 31 14 at one point? Just felt like Baylor was going to roll. And obviously the score ended up being a bit closer than, than really what truly was on the field. Um, going into this weekend, though, in college football in general, there are. Saturday, some big games, 11 a.m. to Ohio State, number two in the country, at number 13, Penn State, out of conference. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Ohio State still favored on the road by 15 and a half. The fact it's not a night game kind of sucks for Penn State. Uh, number seven, TCU, at West Virginia. I would name my firstborn child Mountaineer if West Virginia wins this game. I want nothing more than for West Virginia to beat TCU by 45 at 11 a.m. at home. Man, I I saw someone, I actually retweeted this yesterday. I saw someone say, you know, without Gary Patterson, I just don't have a reason to hate TCU anymore. And I'm like, oh. listen, listen, as a guy who was a student, 
the when they came into the Big 12, like I hate nobody more than TCU. Yeah. I know that's not very biblical Christian of me, okay? But I you're you are right. There would be nothing sweeter than that because also Drake, Drake, we talked about this a week or two ago. Baylor needs some of these teams with with few losses to lose. Oklahoma so State? that if Baylor TCU. so that so that if Baylor wins head to head, there's still a chance. I'm still holding on to that slim chance of making the conference title game. If they lose in West Virginia and come to Waco, woo, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Here, I don't know. I don't know that they're gonna lose though. I just don't you know. know it's crazy, wild crazy. If TCU loses to West Virginia, if Oklahoma State loses to Kansas State. Baylor is squarely in the conversation of a Big 12 championship. Like I That know, is so I, weird. And Baylor beats Texas Tech. If those three things happen, right. which are big three things, like parlay, parlay that together and the odds of that happening are pretty astronomical. But right. that that's how close Baylor is still to being literally a game out of the Big 12 championship race. Just Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. On, um, and they're all three things that could reasonably happen. This isn't like the sky Where? is necessarily falling. Where's the Kansas State Oklahoma State game? Yeah, that's this week, and it's Where in it? Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. Good, good, so good, good, Kansas, good. Okay, Kansas okay. State wins that game. Oklahoma State has two losses, um, yep. and then if TCU loses to West Virginia, Baylor now controls its fate by beating Kansas State and TCU. And TCU, wow. Baylor's, Baylor, everybody else has two losses already. Then it's also nuts to think that like we're in a such a scenario of two lost teams, like even a three lost <laughs> team sneaking their way into the right. Big Twelve championship is not impossible at this juncture. We expected unbelievable parity in the Big Twelve, and it's exactly what we've gotten. Um, in that game in Manhattan, uh, th- what do you, what do you like? Two thirty on Fox, Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Is Adrian Martinez playing? Uh oh, good question. Good question. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think he will. Be- uh, because. Be, yeah, well, because I, because I would even tell you, like, like I thought they were about to, they were steamrolling TCU in Fort Worth before, what's his name, Rogers, before yeah, he went the out. Backup kid went out, yeah. So, so like, I, I think if Kansas, and I picked Kansas State to make the Big 12 title game preseason, I think if, if Martinez plays, they can and should beat anybody, I think, yeah. in the Big 12. Um, they are so good. But if, if they don't have a, they don't have a quarterback, man. Oklahoma State's going to win. That's a it's a good football team, but yeah, I mean, even the backup, yeah, I forget the kid's name, but whoever he was, he I was think it's Will too. Will Rogers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was he was making throws on a. I watched that whole first half. He was slinging it, and I turned the game off at halftime because I thought it was over. Yeah, I did too. And then he got hurt, and the other kid wasn't very good at football, which is right. okay. But um, <laughs> no team wants to be on their third quarterback. No, no, no team in the nation wants to. The other game that we highlight, Oklahoma at Iowa State. One and three in the Big 12, Oklahoma versus 0 and four in the Big 12, Iowa State. Sicko's committee bowl. Just like the two (laughs) worst teams in the Big 12 squaring off this week. That one could go either way. Because Oklahoma's been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde this year, haven't they? I think that's the question. Like, Like, I know what Iowa State is. I don't know what Oklahoma what Oklahoma is. Yeah, game at Iowa State too. OU favored by one. If Iowa State wins this game, won't be shocking, but also just kick them while they're down. Amen. Yeah. A winless yeah. Oklahoma or a winless Iowa State team beating Oklahoma in Big 12 play would be glorious. Uh, and then Kansas Tech, Kansas. Baylor, Texas Tech. Let's get your score prediction on Baylor and Texas Tech before we let you go. 
Drake, do I do I go with the moving, convicting words of the sermon, or do I put on my sports analyst hat for this? Well, it depends on how con- how convicting were your words. Mm. <laughs> uh, do you, did you listen to your own sermon? Is the question? I did. I did. Oh my gosh! It, this is this is a, this is the most I've been conflicted about a pick this year in terms of head and heart, because my head says Drake. Tech's gonna pull it out in Lubbock. Yeah. And my my heart says this is the game you put four quarters together and if and you're right if Baylor puts four quarters together I think we can beat anybody mm. anybody. And so, you know what? I'm a preacher first and a football head second. So give me the Bears by a field goal, man. Let's say wow. 31-28, Baylor gets it done. John Mayers, little... John Mayers, the most accurate kicker in school history, hits a game winner to win the game. That's what I'm saying. One of us will have to be right, and one of us will have to be wrong. (laughs) I am going 38 to 24. Texas Tech. Drake. I Road game. Texas scary team on the road, especially. I Um, get it. Night game. They'll be fired up for it. So I just, I'm going to temper. I'm going to put my expectations there and hopefully be very positively surprised i want baylor to win this game so badly and stay in the big 12 title hunt but i just i don't think this is the week this if there's too much that's stacked against baylor for them to pull it off uh tr- still trying to figure out a lot of stuff offensively so well um, i'll say this i'll say this last thing i'll say about it the the monkey on the back that i said we could get off at west virginia you can yeah. still get it off if you win this game i know that tech is not like the highest rated team you're going to play this season but if you win an emotionally charged night game in Lubbock, that can be, I think, a momentum builder to the rest of the season. It really could be. Well, I hope it happens. I just don't know if it will. Um, for Drake Toll from Sports Illustrated's Waco Tours, that's Scotty Swingler. This has been Scotty. Everybody go follow Pigskin at Pigskin Preacher on Twitter. Preacher at, pre- at Preacher Pigskin. Locked on. Baylor. Thanks for making it your first listen every single day.